Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about what happens when you make more money than your partner. When you're bringing home the bacon and they're bringing home the bologna. <laughs> or you're making lots of bread and they're mm, saltines making crackers. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. And we are so glad that you've joined us. As you know, we're talking about women and work. We want your workplaces to be joyful, meaningful. We want you to have ease. Not that it's easy, but that you just don't, you know, bang your head against the wall. And I think today we have an exceptional topic talking about what happens when you make more money than your partner. But before we dive into that, I want to check in about International Women's Day. Yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting. This is the day that I think is sponsored by the United Nations, and it is a day acknowledged all over the world to celebrate women's accomplishments, social, political, economic, business, all of it. Yeah, and I want to challenge folks to think about the accomplishment or two or ten that you find particularly noteworthy for the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah. And, and I, too, want to have those at the tip of my tongue. I want to talk to other women about the accomplishments. The amazing things from uh, that other women have accomplished. Yeah, exactly. The first one that pops in my mind is the women's soccer team, of course. Yes, absolutely. That pops into mind. I think, we, you know, there are two female candidates still viable for president. That's exciting. Yes. For the Democratic nomination. I think about in general women's impact on politics mm-hmm. and, you know, what we hope is just the beginning. Right. Our federal legislature, obviously, some state legislatures have had some amazing kind of majority women, Nevada, Colorado, mm-hmm. lots of good stuff to talk about. And just a fun fact, it's been around since 1911. Before women could vote in the United States, there was an International Women's Day. And I don't want to trip over into the negative, but honestly, I don't know why I didn't know about this day. It just recently in the last couple of, of years, years. Mm-hmm. it's kind of it's come to into popular knowledge, culture, culture. Yeah, people popular actually culture. celebrate, acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like on the heels of International Women's Day, truly challenging ourselves to, to just talk about it. Own it, sisters. Mm-hmm. What meaningful accomplishments do you see in the last 12 months? Great food for thought. Great food for thought. Both your accomplishments, your friends, your colleagues, and also women that you admire. And of course, today we're celebrating women making more money than their partner. Right. Which at some point in the near future is going to be all of us. Right? It's aspirational. It is the we are going to break through the glass ceiling. We're going to forget about that wage disparity between men and women. Right. And we're going to be killing it. We're going to be killing We're going to have some real equity. Yeah, which is why it's fun to talk about it now, because it is coming. We did want to start, though, with this acknowledgement that women are making strides as far as making money. Yeah. They are. We are. We're not equal yet, but there are a fair number of women who are bringing home. Which we'll talk about yeah. some details. I do want to make one disclosure to the audience, which is we spent a lot of time, a fair amount of time looking for LGBTQ data around this topic. And we really could not find any. I found some really general articles and statements that 
LGBTQ couples have more flexibility and less rigidity around issues like money and chores and all sorts of things. But this was an area that I was really disappointed in. Like, okay, researchers, let's have some more data on this. Yeah, I found that to be interesting, too. And yeah. so I think when we're talking about this, we're probably going to refer to, you know, woman, man, mm-hmm. because not just because that may be our bias, but that is truly what, what the research showed, was able to tell. We, we were- actually tried not to be biased. We actually tried to say, okay, let's look at the whole constellation. And really, this is what's out there is just really an examination and research around heterosexual couples, primarily married. Yeah. Or, yeah, at least living together. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk a little bit about those statistics? I want to start in 1960, 6% of the household's primary breadwinner was a woman. And today, 25% of households' primary breadwinner is a woman. So that statistic itself has changed pretty dramatically. Although this is not really, it is different among different age groups, and it's different among different races. Yeah, in fact, that same article, which I looked at from a woman, Wendy Wang, she's a PhD director of research of the Institute for Family Studies. And she also wrote a book called Breadwinner Moms. She kind of digs into the data and says that close to three in 10 married women in their mid 50s and 60s, so the 28% make more money than their spouses, compared with younger married women who are under age 35. They're only about 22% of them make more than their husbands. But also the difference in race I thought was interesting. She said primary breadwinners, more than one third of married black women out earn their husbands, 35%. White and Asian women, that's more like 25% of white and Asian women and only 20% of Hispanic women. So really it is a difference Mm -hmm. there. In age and race. In age and race. Which I always find so fascinating. What's that all about? Who knows what it's about? That's a real question. Like, you know, someday I hope some of these, I hope that Dr. Wang tells us what that's all about. Right, gives us the real yeah, cause of it that? all. Yeah, why is that? I do not that? know. There are some other interesting statistics, though, about this. One that I found interesting was that women who are breadwinners identify as feeling the following emotions. Independent, proud, and appreciated. 55% feel burdened, and 38% feel obligated. So it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Women who are breadwinners think that their partner feels the following inadequate. They think their partners feel embarrassed, disappointed, guilty, and also pressure. So it is funny how the majority of women did not think that their partners were relieved. Yeah. Excited. It was right. They had negative connotations with their relative success. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What I found interesting about that statistic, Queenie, was burdened that 55% felt burdened by the responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And I was not at all surprised by that. Did you see the statistic around how people identify like happiness, happiness in their marriage and happiness in their life based on? So interesting. So interesting. Where the women is the primary breadwinner, 15% are less likely to identify their marriage as really happy. 46% percent are more likely to have discussed separation in the last year in the last year yeah so where heterosexual couples where the wife is the where the woman is the primary breadwinner there appears to be less satisfaction with the marriage yeah over relationships where the man mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the primary yes. breadwinner yes which is also yeah totally crazy 
here's my favorite statistic. Here, I love this statistic. So once a woman makes 40% of the collective household income, the man starts to get nervous and stressed and less happy. So as the wife begins, as the woman begins to achieve parity, it it provides some discomfort. Yeah. Health impacts. Uh Actually impacts health. Actually impacts their health. Like, yeah, most of it is related to stress. So let's think about this data. Let's interpret this data for just a second. So there's some portion of women, depending on your age and your race, who are earning more than their husbands, right? And they feel good about it on some level, but they also feel burdened by it. And they assume that their husbands are not super psyched. They also rank their happiness at home and in their marriage less than the women whose husbands. Yeah, whose male partners make more money. And the dudes are freaking out. Mm-hmm. If the guys are not uncomfortable, they're uncomfortable and they are yeah, experiencing literally experiencing health related impacts to the woman making more money. It's so fascinating, right? Yeah, it is. And I don't want to paint a negative picture. I don't know if I said this at the beginning of the show and I meant to, which was, you know, one of our listeners asked us to do this. Yeah. And that was the takeaway when she asked me about this. She said, I really wish you guys would talk about this. That was the sense that I got as well. She's like, I'm really struggling with this. I think my husband is really struggling with this. And so this health impact, I was like, okay, now I get it. So this person was saying, it was it new? Was it a new phenomenon yes, for them? Yes, it was a relatively new phenomenon for her. Relatively yeah. new. Mm-hmm. She started making more. Mm-hmm. She's realizing this is not, I'm not as psyched yeah. about it. But that whole thing about affecting the health of the man, I just was, yes. Yeah, this is so fascinating to me because, I mean, A, I don't want any of these statistics or information to be a reason to not say yes to a promotion or, or a to raise. more money or yeah. a raise. Why would we say no? No. And in fact, you know, I think about financial security and financial independence as something that's going to make everyone more happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially yes. the woman. so counterintuitive sometimes. Like I remember when my mom was going back to work and my dad told her that if she went back to work, that she, he would have to pay more taxes. And so why was she going back to work? Because it wasn't worth anything to him. Like it, she wouldn't make any money because, which was a total fabrication. I don't want to say lie, but it was total BS. It was like, we all know that, yeah, you might have to pay a higher percentage as you make more money, but only on the relatively higher portion. And I look back and I think to myself, that is crazy that he was trying to keep her out of the workforce. But I think that there's a lot of assumptions and feelings around this issue. For example, back in 1997, 40% of people agree that it's better in a marriage if the husband earns more than the wife. Today, and this is like, what, 20 years later, that number has dropped to 28%. Huh. So we are shifting. We are in the middle of a huge cultural shift with women doing better financially. Yep. And we just got to figure this out, folks. We just got to figure out how to manage this issue. Well, what's interesting is when you dig into this data and ask why, why are women less satisfied when they're when they earn more than their men why are men freaking out about this and you know running to the high blood pressure doctor or whatever and <laughs> what we realized or you know researchers have daylighted is that the primary reason for these emotional and physical responses are 
A, because we're kind of locked into our gender norms to some degree. And so anytime you disrupt that or you're pioneering something, you know, there's obviously going to be some discomfort. But even more specifically, the reason behind all this discomfort and dissatisfaction is because when women are out earning the men, they're still doing a disproportionate yes. amount of the household the work. Household work. Mm-hmm. And if you're a woman, in a, if you're a married woman with children, you're satisfied and you're the primary breadwinner, you rank your satisfaction as the lowest. So if it's a married couple that doesn't have children, you know, your satisfaction is a little bit higher. But I think, Karina, it is our inability to navigate new roles. So the woman who has children, who has the big job, who's making more money, not only fills the new role that she's created for herself in the workplace, but she has to fill the old role, the expectation that she does the cooking and the cleaning and takes primary care of the children. Correct. So I do think a lot of this is having is us figuring out how to manage these new roles. That's right. Yeah. Which, you know, was also kind of a an aha. You know, I've had this I've you been have, this you've been in all of the different circumstances. You've been at home. You've been the only person at home. You've been the only person at work. You've shared, both been at work. So talk a little bit about you and Barry and how that's worked. Yeah. So a uh, twenty five year relationship. So we've kind of been through it all. And now we have, you know, kids approaching adulthood. And for a very long time, we were equal breadwinners. Before you had children. Even with children. Okay. So, and we had made this agreement early on that we wanted to always have a parent at home. And we did the math. And frankly, we never made enough to really justify child care. child care. Yeah. So, you know the net was very low for, you know, the hourly anyway. So we decided we always want to have someone at home. And so Barry and I cobbled together, you know, we each were working three quarter time and really juggling jobs and juggling kids, but always somebody at home. And then we did that for a very long time and it was stressful and, but it seemed to work for us and it was fine. But I was given then an opportunity to get a promotion, start making more money and be away from the home a fair bit more. And It was at that point we had a conversation and agreed that he was going to put his career on hold and work very part time and be the stay at home dad. You know, and he did still work outside of the home. I don't want to take that away from him, but he was working around my schedule. Mm -hmm. He was working around my schedule and he was primarily responsible for the kids. Fast forward, you know, seven or eight years and I quit my executive job and he went back to work in his career and now he's the breadwinner. He's the primary breadwinner. He's the primary breadwinner. So initially when you when you were the one with the big job and he was one that was primarily home, what changes did you have to make in your roles? Because we've seen that like the data says that that's where the that's where the rub is. Yeah, and it was interesting because I would have I would have probably self-reported, although hindsight, you know, like I probably paint my old life with roses right now, with rose petals, rose colored glasses, rose colored glasses. Yeah, or roses, they're pretty. Um, you know, so it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns, but I would have ranked my satisfaction pretty high. Those are some of the just some adjustments there in the early days of us trying to figure out our roles, but I would have ranked my satisfaction pretty high. But I think that's because Barry did take 
on a lot of the household responsibilities. I will say, though, that the biggest struggle I had was letting go of the way I thought things should be done Mm -hmm. and letting him really own the household space, the domestic space, letting him own even being the, the person who did the school kids drop off and, you know, volunteered for the field trips and whatnot. And so our biggest conflict was really around him not doing the stay-at-home job the way I the wanted, way you wanted the it way done. I wanted it done. And by the way, I mean, could you imagine if the roles were reversed and some guy came home after working all day and as all he did was be like, I don't like what you made for dinner. I don't like the way you cleaned the bathroom. You'd be like, oh my God, that guy is an ogre. Right, exactly. Right? I mean, you'd just be like, he's a terrible ogre. So, and I do think that women, I do this. I totally do that. I have expectations about how it's supposed to look. Yes. Right? But if it was reversed and some dude came home and was like, I don't like the way you clean the bathroom, we'd be like, yeah, you can go smoke crack. I don't care what Right, you exactly. Think. It was so funny. Like, I used to I used to criticize, like, Barry's told me one time, if you ever use the phrase deep cleaning again, I'm going to divorce you. And Because I used to come home and I'm like, all you ever do is surface clean. Do you can ever? You deep can clean? you please deep clean? I mean, because, right, ladies, they never pull the microwave away from the, you know, right. wall and white crumbs. behind it. They yeah. never do. Mm-hmm. They just never do. And I had one of the big learning I had to do was just sort of get over that. So there's, you don't come home as an ogre. Right? So I don't come as, home as an ogre. Exactly. <laughs> it was the same, at, you know, even with child decisions about kids or whatever. Here's the weirdest part about it, though, is we got so good at our roles that when he went back to work and I started doing the stay at home, granted, our kids were a little bit older, but we had the same arguments. Then he had oh, his system. And he was like, what are you doing, Karina? Yeah. And you know what's so funny is, and then I was also trying to coach him at his job. Like, actually, you should be crystal clear about this and you should negotiate this. And then you should be producing this thing. And he's like, okay, now I'm the one working so you can shut up. So honestly, I think that's just, yeah. I I, know, like- I do want to just point out, you know, <laughs> being in relationship for 25 years with anybody is difficult. But yeah. switching roles back and forth and having to renegotiate that thing, kudos to you guys. I mean, yeah. Really, kudos to you guys <laughs> to being willing to get in there and just keep renegotiating the deal, you know. But that is funny. And so I can imagine. But if you're not renegotiating that, I can see how and, you know, how women are just going to be. If I had to come home and then start folding laundry and decide what was going to be for dinner and, you know, whatnot, I mean, I I would be very upset. And this is what I want to just, just do a little footnote here, you know, for all of the single people, mm-hmm. right? You do do all that yourself. Yeah. Like I can remember when I was a single mom, oh. I did the big day at work and the dinner and the shopping and the laundry and the carpooling and the da 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 all of that stuff, right? And now I did have childcare so so that I could work, but it's one of those things. It's like at least you know when you're doing that 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 you're the only person you're only taking care of yourself and your kids. You're you have a lot of I had a lot of satisfaction around my independence and my ability to care for myself and my kids and all that stuff, but I would have been really ripped oh my if God. there was some dude sitting on his rear on the couch while I did all of this. Right. Or just yeah. kind of half-assing it until yes. you get home. Right. Like, yeah, no, it would just, I really do think it's the renegotiation of the roles. That's so important. I have to say two funny stories. My father-in-law used to always say to Barry, 
are you babysitting the kids today? Oh, my God. Right? So that's also a generational oh, shift. He's God. like, Jesus, they're my kids. I don't babysit them. But I said, you know, one of the things I had to do, like I said, is let go of my expectations around a lot of stuff and let him stumble or, and let him fumble and let him do the things that he was really good at. But there are Which certain probably things. were like cocking the outside. Yeah, exactly. Like he would. Yeah, he was doing like all this home maintenance. Meanwhile, not deep cleaning. And I had to like be OK with that. Damn. Deep but there are cleaning. also things that have to happen, like cooking. Right. They have, yes, to, they happen. have to happen. And the casserole that he put Cheerios on top of and then nice. and then, <laughs> you know, for that extra crispy layer and then tried to broil it and set it on fire like that story. <laughs> It lives on. Right. The Cheerios. Right. The Cheerio casserole. But that's also (laughs) part of it is like you have to let that stuff happen. There's such a great, there's just a great lesson in that, in all of that mess, right? It's fascinating for me. You know, I, in my work, I have clients who are, I have clients, I had a client who was 90, you know, a man who was 90 who ran a business. So sweet. He's now passed away. But I have clients who are like 70, 80, 60, lots of clients in that age group, men. And then I have lots of clients who are in their 30s and 40s. You just mentioned generational, right? Yes. With your father-in-law. But what I noticed is there's a very different attitude by men about women staying at home or working. So, for example, my male clients who are older just really love having their wives at home. They love that they don't work. They just love it. They're just super supportive of that. And it's just like, oh yeah, well, of course they're home. My younger male clients, if their partner is home raising children, they tend to be really supportive. Mm -hmm. But I sense after a while, like if once the kids are like in school, I sense that some men are resentful. I think that men are actually wanting women to share some of the economic burden. As yeah. you said, yes. you know, that there's there's a burden to having to be the big provider, right? And I really think that my observation is, this is completely anecdotal, but younger men are wanting women to participate economically. Interesting. I wonder if their health impacts of having a female breadwinner would be significantly less. You wonder, right? Yeah. Well, it, well How it's going to shift. But this is the whole point of this show. It's the shifting of the roles. Right. Do you have any clients who are women who out-earn their partners? That oh, you yes. How's, how's that? You got any good? Well, you know, I will tell you, I think those relationships are very tricky. That's uh-huh. my observation uh-huh. is I don't see a tremendous amount of ease in those relationships. I don't think that people have a developed, like they're not facile with the differences, right? Yeah. In fact, my observation is that you and Barry have probably figured this out better than anybody I personally know. Oh, geez. Yeah. No, I think you guys really have because I have a lot of very successful women who out earn their husbands. And, you know, honestly, it's like, I think it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I have to say, I do remember Barry telling me I'm way better, him telling me about himself, him saying, I'm way better at this home stuff than you are. You need to go back to work. So we don't do it all perfectly well. We have to, we have stumbled through it and kind of come to the other side. It's the stumbling part. So I'm going to talk about this, this. This just popped into my mind because it was a very formative book before I got married the second time. It's called Love Between Equals. It's by a woman named Pepper Schwartz. And it's a great book because it does talk about the roles that women and men have and how 
how money influences those roles. And I love it because it kind of is a how-to on how to establish a peer or equal marriage in all sorts of situations, whether you are earning less, whether you're earning more, whether you're earning equal. Okay. So that's, I want to just kind of commend that book to people who are trying to work on this. It's a really, really wonderful book. And she talks a lot about what to do about it. Were there any takeaways that you remember? It's probably been a while since you read it. My favorite one is this. It has been a while since, but my favorite takeaway, first of all, The first one was that for women, it is okay to want to be an economic equal, Yeah, right? That you have actually a little, it's a little easier to have equality and to share power around financial decisions. Mm -hmm. So that was helpful to me to know that me maintaining my career and my profession would probably actually be beneficial, Yeah, right? If I was able to do the rest of the hard work. Right. The second thing was just, which of course is like, you know, just outrageous is kind of the ogre who comes home and complains about the bathroom. But there was this one couple where he made substantially more than she made. And his rationale for her doing all of the housework was that she made less money. So even though their days were the exact same length, she worked at a nonprofit and he worked at a profit, he was like, you need to do all the work because you make less money. And I thought to myself, wow, well, that's no, but no, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. And I think it's, it is common that some relationships base the distribution of tasks at home on the monetary value you contribute to the family, not the number of hours you're gone. Mm -hmm. And so... Or even just like recognizing the meaningfulness of work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I think like the thing that pops in my mind is artists. Yeah. Right? It's not like, you know, many artists are not economically rewarded the way that they probably should be, right? But their work is incredibly meaningful. Right. Where you might have some guy who's selling something he doesn't care about. Right. And making five times as much. Making five times as much and then just not regarding the meaningfulness of the work. Right. Anyway. Which is kind of interesting. And I think, you know, so on the flip side of this, if you're a female breadwinner for your family and your husband is also working outside the home, you know, there's the other piece of it. So the part of the conversation we have been focusing on has been kind of the stay at home dad. But what if you're the breadwinner and he's working, you're both working full time. It's just you're the one who's making more money. That does establish some sort of level of tension in relationships that's even. You've got to explore it and you got to figure out how to get comfortable with it. Yeah. You've got to talk about it and you've got to work through it because it would be silly for someone to not take a raise because she didn't want her husband to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. I think people can figure out how to be comfortable. I do. I hope so. Yeah, I do. So if you are in this situation, if you do hear yourself in this situation, so then what are you going to do about it? I mean, I think we've talked a lot on this episode so far about, you know, like you have to be able to renegotiate the roles at home. You have to be able to let certain things go. You have to be able to talk to each other about it for sure. I think you need to give yourself some grace. As I always say, that's kind of my big takeaway. And this is one of the places I really think we need to give each other a lot of grace. Mm -hmm. This is a new frontier. This has not been the way it's always been. Men and women's roles are changing all the time, and that creates a lot of discomfort. So I just think you have to, I think we need to recognize that this is a new frontier. This is a new thing. And not all of us have, in fact, most of us have not done this before. Yeah, nor seen it. Nor seen it, nor have any good examples, right? Yeah. 
Although it's funny that we're talking about this. There was a period of time when my dad left the Navy and was going to school and my mom was the breadwinner. So I've actually seen it. I'm a second generation and my sister has experienced that as well. So my sister and I both so your whole family. saw my mom do this for a short period of time. And yeah, so it is interesting. We're again, pioneers. I think on this. that's unusual. It is unusual. I also think, you know, one of the other things we have to train ourselves to see value beyond monetary. Yes. One of my big takeaways from reading and thinking about this is no money in chore talk. When you're talking about dividing chores and who's doing what, you can't talk about how much money people make. Yeah, you just it has to be about time and energy and capacity and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said when we were preparing for this, which is if you are fighting about allocating household work, you are probably fighting about roles rather than laundry. I don't know where you read that or heard that or came up with that, but it was, I thought to myself, that is exactly right. It's like sometimes when we're getting in these fights with each other or having these disagreements, it really is about the role, about who you think you are supposed to be and you being offended or angry or uncomfortable that you just can't stay in your lane. Yeah, exactly. And I think for women who are breadwinners, We are told we are also nurturers, Mm -hmm. caretakers, Mm -hmm. caregivers of Mm -hmm. our family, creators of beautiful, lovely, warm spaces, etc. And, you know, I think that was a big one for me when I became the breadwinner was I had to relinquish that role. And that hurt. And so I can see if on the other side of that, if you have to pick up a role. Yeah, exactly. I can see how it's it was difficult to be a woman letting go of that nurturer of my children, for instance. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult for my husband to give up that role of caregiver or caretaker of the family. Mm-hmm. And I think his dad and his grandpa and his great grandpa all believed that a man is in this role. And so again, yeah, if you're fighting it, you're not fighting about who's folding the laundry. I think you're fighting about who you are. You're fighting about who you are and what yep. your place is that you're in your home and what your place is in a community. And we keep coming back to this theme. It's very interesting to me, but we come back to this theme in our shows all the time, which is, you know, people just need to be people. Yeah. Right? You know, you just need to be a person and to make your life work the very best you can to create the very best life you can for yourself and not worry that if it is, is it masculine or not to make cupcakes? Well, I think it's masculine to make cupcakes. I do. And I think that's, we need to just kind of like crank open our tiny brains and make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, my takeaway from this show is that it will become more and more common for women to be breadwinners mm-hmm. in relationships. Mm-hmm. It's going to become more and more common for women to negotiate with their partners a more equal allocation of household work. Yeah. And if we are indeed moving into an era where we have more and more women breadwinners, then I don't want the majority of women to rank their satisfaction. They're, I don't want them to rank high on dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Let me put it mm-hmm. that way. And so you are the key in a lot of ways. You, the listener, you, the breadwinner, are the key in a lot of ways to shifting that. But also knowing that you're not alone. 
you know, that this is common. It, even though it's new, even though there's not a lot of models, it is more and more common. And here's the good news. Look at all the modeling that you're doing for those young women and girls out there so that they can be kicking some ass on the next International Women's Day. Exactly. Right? Pioneers. Right. We're, pioneers, we're sisters. pioneers and the sisters. We're pioneer sisters. We, yeah. So get out there and pioneer. Pioneer. And then send us some of your money if you have a lot of it at yougettowork.com. <laughs> Thanks for working. Thanks for bringing home the bacon. And the bologna. And the bologna. (laughs) Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork.com at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 